welcome to another episode of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. I'm your guest host, John Neves, back here again to talk about my favorite topic, your favorite topic, and that is, of course, Portuguese soccer, Portuguese football, whatever word you use in your part of the world. Episode number 79, and happy to be here. How are you? I hope you're all doing well, and uh, I guess I'll say it. Uh, happy first week of the season. The first and second division clubs kick off uh, this weekend, kicking off during the normal time of the year. And obviously everyone's excited because it's the beginning of the season. Everybody has zero points. We don't know of any of the problems this season. No one's complaining yet about, you know, referees and the schedules. The bottom line is everything right now is fresh, but obviously we know after a few weeks things will uh, change. But week one is here. Earlier tonight, Sporting recording the 3-0 win at home against Vizela, uh, a rude awakening for Vizela to the uh, first uh, division. Uh, Pote with two goals, and he continues to pick up where he left off last year when he was the Liga top scorer. Paulinho also got on the uh, score sheet with the uh, third goal. If you remember Paulinho last year after he made the move from Braga, he didn't really do that well in terms of how many goals was expected of him in terms of the money that was uh, spent by sporting to pay Braga. But it looks like he's starting off the season on a right note. And I can tell you right now that Ruben Amarin, when he saw that third goal scored by Paulinho, he was very happy, even more than the two goals of Pote, because Pote shows that he could score, but Sporting really need Paulinho to step up and to score and to be the goal scorer that they saw of him at Braga. And tonight, um, he was able uh, to come up with uh, the uh, big win. So week one of the season is fully underway. Benfica will get underway Saturday up north. They'll be playing Moreirense. And then, of course, on Sunday, uh, Porto will play their first uh, real match of the season. Um, against Bill and Nimchis Saad at home. And of course, the big news this weekend across Portugal, first and second division, as well as the different uh, other sports in Portugal, is that fans are allowed back into the stadiums, obviously protocols to be followed, such as uh, testing and uh, if you're not, uh, you know, or vaccination, of course. And I know sporting tonight, uh, I think they were expecting close to uh, 17,000. Um, just about as many fans as well with uh, Porto uh, also being hosting this weekend. Uh, Benfica, they will only be home. Uh, well, they don't play, they play at home next week, but they'll also be playing at home on uh, Tuesday. But uh, let's, let me just start off with the schedule again. Week one of first and second division. Uh, Benfica will be playing on uh, Tuesday. Second leg of the Champions League third preliminary round qualifier. It looks good for Benfica. They went to Spartak. They went to Moscow. They beat Rui Vitoria two goals to nil. And now they go back to Lisbon in front of their fans, about 17,000, 18,000 on Tuesday. And they'll be able to now look to seal it up. Of course, it's not over. Remember, those don't count as away goals because the away goals rule is no more. Um, nevertheless, uh, it is still a comfortable two-goal lead, but one that they still have to uh, protect. Uh, but right now, the way things are going with uh, Benfica, it looks like they're going to have a match coming up in the playoff if things hold. PSV uh, winning their uh, first leg match 3-0 against a team from Denmark. So if things, uh, unless things change drastically, it looks like we may have a Benfica PSV uh, playoff coming up here for the Champions League. Never easy to play a team, a Dutch team, especially a team like PSV, which has uh, some history. 
But that's coming up on Tuesday, the second leg, Benfica in Luz against Spartak, uh, Moscow, Nuri, Vitoria. And then, of course, we also have the uh, Portuguese clubs, uh, Passos de Ferreira and Santa Clara. They'll be playing on uh, Thursday, their second leg matches. Each of them recorded convincing wins at home. Passos winning uh, 4-0. Santa Clara also winning at home in the Azores. So the Portuguese clubs right now. Rashley, right now, before Benfica on Tuesday, Portuguese clubs have five uh, wins in five matches, and obviously that helps out with the uh, UEFA rankings, even though it is preliminary. Uh, some of the, they do count, and obviously that's what you want to see with the uh, Portuguese clubs, because that's usually the way it is when you're, uh, you know, I remember, I remember when Portugal had very bad years, they would lose a lot of points, and then they would lose spots, but then the Portuguese teams would have to play the preliminaries, which means you're playing more matches then somebody instead will go straight to the groups. And then sometimes after a few years, you go back to get those European spots because you played enough and you won enough preliminaries that you were able to uh, make it. So uh, good results so far for the Portuguese clubs, uh, Passos de Ferreira and Santa Clara. Uh, both of these clubs as well uh, did very well in advancing as well last week in, in the first, in the second preliminary round of the League Cup, the Tasa de Liga. So both Passos, and Santa Clara really looking good. At it. And then, of course, next weekend, week two, round two of the Liga B-Win. Remember, it's Liga B-Win. It is not Liga Nosh, uh, the new sponsor name. And next weekend, of course, the match to watch is, of course, going to be Braga and Sporting playing for the second time in three weeks. Of course, next weekend, that match will, of course, be for the Liga and right off the bat, we as fans get to watch, uh, you know, let's be honest with you, we consider there to be four really good teams in Portugal that contend for the title. And obviously two of the four of those will be meeting uh, next week. So uh, that is the schedule for the upcoming week. Uh, I'm very excited, by the way, about the fact that we've got uh, Liga back. Um, earlier this week, I went to my local Portuguese neighborhood in New Jersey. Uh, I went to a place to order the Guia which is the Portuguese yearbooks, uh, Abola, Record, and Ojogo. Each of them uh, create a, by the way, it is a tremendous publication if you can get your hands on it. Um, and I personally like the paper copy. Uh, it's just a nice yearbook. It's got the player photos. It's got their, their career statistics. It's got the schedules for all the other leagues in Europe. It's got all the uh, starting 11 of all the national team matches during the year. It's, it's a true almanac of information for Portuguese football and for European football. So I'm really looking forward uh, to, uh, you know, getting that book. And, and last year I bought the record. The year before I bought the Abol, I take turns every year. So this year I ordered the Ojogo, which does a very nice job as well. And so I should be getting that copy in a few weeks that shipped to me uh, from Portugal and then picking it up uh, at the location that I ordered it with in the uh, Portuguese that neighborhood would I go to. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that. Um, one thing, by the way, I want to apologize for. Uh, this was supposed to be the Liga preview. Um, unfortunately, I'm going to delay that about a week. And, and the reason is actually pretty obvious. Uh, number one, we are still in the middle of the uh, transfer window. Uh, we're still going to be making moves. I feel like if I make predictions that some of those predictions could be changed depending on what happens with some moves. You know, to give you an example, last week, episode 78, you know, when I made it live and I dropped it, um, I was saying last week that Benfica hadn't done big moves. I had a Benfica fan who had come to me about wanting to hear more transfer market news when there really wasn't anything other than Alpha Semedo going to Guimarães. 
And uh, I was saying that, you know, Benfica just has, wasn't making news that the only news, unfortunately, is all these bad things that have been going on off the pitch with the scandal um, and everything going on with Luis Vieira. And then two hours after I dropped that episode, there are photos in the Lisbon airport of the Ukrainian striker that Benfica bought, uh, Yermachuk, who they bought from Ghent in Belgium. So as a result, I just think it's better for me to wait a week or two. I realize I'll be doing it after the season starts. But again, the season started and we still have the transfer window open for a few weeks. So it doesn't really matter. You know, what's going to happen at Porto with uh, Corona? Luis Diaz has been getting some attention after his great uh, Copa America. You look at sporting. Um, are they going to be making any big moves? You know, uh, Giovanni Cabral. Um, didn't, you know, Mr. PK tonight, but Giovanni Cabral's market value, Nunu Men's market value, Mateus Nunes market value, those players, um, you know, they haven't been, nothing's happened to them yet because sporting isn't getting the price they want. The only player that sporting might be able to sell is Juan Palina. Um, that seems to be their possibility of their only big sale. So, you know, sporting is trying to make some money. They are trying to make a big sale or two. And obviously if they, they, you know, where to sell a player like Juan Palina or any of these other players, it would make a difference, I think, for uh, sporting. So, uh, again, I just want to wait until we see maybe in the next two weeks until the uh, transfer window shakes out, um, you know, to see what happens and who's not going to be around because I think that it really influences, at least in terms of who you think is going to be the favorite to win the Liga. Because if Porto were to sell a Corona and a Luis Diaz, you know, even though they've got some, you know, Evan Nielsen and Pepe looks like he's a good player. Um, you know, you are talking about untested players, whereas when you're talking about a Corona and a Luis Diaz, you're talking about players that are very well tested in Portugal and know what it's like to play a full season in the Liga in uh, Portugal. So that's the reason why I want to wait. So I'll come up with my prediction. And I'm very proud. Last year, I gave the reason why I thought sporting could win the league. Everything came true, and I'm hoping to make it uh, two years in a row. But let's get to the individual team news now. And I want to start off first with Benfica, of course, great win with the Champions League. Uh, JJ said it best in his uh, press conference when he was talking. He said that the team surprised him a little bit. They played better than he expected. And that's what you need Benfica to be doing right now. Uh, Rui Costa said it last week that right now all the talk about Benfica is about the scandal. It's about Luis Flipieta. It's about what's going on off the pitch, which the media and the TVs want to talk about because it's getting good ratings. But Rui Costa was right. They need to change the conversation to what's going on the pitch. And obviously that, of course, starts with a very impressive win in Moscow. It's not easy to go to Russia and win. Um, thankfully, they went in the summer and they didn't necessarily have to go in the middle of the winter. But a very good result uh, for Benfica uh, and I think the question now is Benfica's got to be ready. They're going to be playing Saturday in the Liga. Then they got to play right away on Tuesday. So within a week, they're playing three matches, including their Liga opener. And JJ has said that for the next few weeks, the focus is going to be the Champions League because there's a lot of money on the line. Not to mention the fact that the players want to play in the Champions League. You know, a lot of these players that they brought to Portugal didn't come to play in the Europa League. They came to play in the Champions League. So I think, um, you know, it's a very big week, a very, very big week. And so far they passed the first test. And I think what it does is it makes people talk about the squad. It makes people talk about the results. And I think that's where really crushed the mental last week when he said we got to get people to talk about the club. 
that's what's going to happen now. The club now is putting together, they got to, of course, play Moda Dance, which was the fifth or sixth best club last year in Portugal. They got to continue these results. But so far, you know, if you heard my interview, if you heard me last week when I said that it was very important for Benfica to get off to a strong start, and that's what they did. But now they got to continue it, especially now with a match on Saturday and then another match right away on uh, Tuesday. Uh, sporting, obviously, the big thing. Um, there were some reports that, you know, I'm dropping this podcast on a Friday like I usually do, that you got from Familia Cone was supposed to be uh, announced. Uh, the deal is six and a half million for 50 percent of his pass and then sporting would be in a position to buy 10% more every time he has uh, 30 starts. Uh, one report in the record had them basically, if he gets up to 90 starts, that means they would have to pay another 6 million. Abola, and I know a lot of people, sporting fans trust the record more than Abola. The Abola essentially had um, you know, them being able to buy the rest of the 50%, depending on how many starts he gets so again you got to you know whether or not to believe the newspapers or not don't know uh but the bottom line is it looks like he is going to come they already had um sporting already loaned a player to familiar going so it looks like this deal is going to happen it probably didn't happen on friday because of the match and obviously sporting also wants to do a introduction video for social media so don't be surprised if that happens on saturday or sunday and if you're listening to this and that hasn't happened yet then obviously maybe some of the media reports are, aren't uh, true. And in fact, uh, you know, Sporting trying to put in the deal clauses to buy more than 50%, that apparently may be hoping, holding the deal. But again, all reports say that he may be announced uh, this weekend. And again, they still want to do the video. And don't forget Sporting, of course, had to play Friday night. They had, they had fans back in Alvalade. So they obviously were very busy and they just weren't able uh, to do that. But I think that's, the biggest question mark right now with uh, Ugart is uh, what could, is it going to be signed? And if he is, it would be another big move uh, for uh, sporting. Um, moving on to Porto, obviously, uh, Pepe gave an interview to Porto's uh, monthly magazine. And uh, one of the things that impresses me about him is, you know, he, he was bought for a lot of money, uh, club record. Um, and basically, he's, he wants that challenge. He's not scared to live up to the challenge of the fact that he's playing at a club that spent the most money uh, to buy him. And obviously, when you play for a club like Porto Sporting or Benfica, there really is no grace period. You've got to get out there. You've got to contribute right away. So that was a very good interview that I enjoyed reading. And obviously, if Louis, now, if Luis Diaz is not sold, that may get into his uh, playing time a little bit. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. But Porto right now... Um, you know, they're going to play their first real match. What's going to happen with Corona, who's on vacation after uh, being with uh, Mexico for the uh, Gold Cup? Um, what's going to happen with him? What's going to happen with Luis Diaz? And again, this is the reason why I didn't do my preview, simply because uh, we have to see what's going to happen to those two players. But Porto has looked really good this off this preseason. And I think the, but I think the biggest questions now are to come. And remember last year what was it, early October, the uh, transfer deadline, Porto was very busy on those days, if you recall. I think uh, you might see the same thing happening uh, this year with uh, uh, Porto. Uh, maybe a lot of these, uh, you know, we haven't seen a whole lot of things going on in Open Fica Broad and Met, uh, things of that nature, but uh, we haven't seen a lot, but I think it's going to be a very busy week at the end of this month uh, when these uh, 
you know, when the uh, transfer market finally does uh, happen. Uh, moving on to some other news that I want to comment on. First off, congratulations to Nani. He was named an all-star and he's going to play in the uh, Major League Soccer all-star game in Los Angeles. Uh, obviously, MLS, it's a team in the United States. United States, it's a tradition with a lot of the sports, except for, uh, well, the football does it at the end of the season. Uh, they, of course, do the all-star games, which, you know, is not very much a European or really any other part of the world that I know of. I think, I think the Portuguese Basketball League does an all-star game in the middle of the season, but I don't. I'm not sure if anybody else does an all-star game. But the point is, is Nani, who's doing very well with Orlando City, is uh, apparently on his way. He's going to be playing in the all-star game. And obviously, he is uh, one of the better players in Major League Soccer. And he's obviously shown that he's going to be playing the all-star game in Los Angeles. Uh, I got to comment also about staying on Major League Soccer and Portugal-related. This uh, news that came out last week regarding... Um, Ricardo Horta and Paulo Fonseca with Atlanta United. And uh, both play, both were linked with moves. Uh, Ricardo Horta rejected the move. Paulo Fonseca also eventually decided against becoming manager and decided not to accept the opportunity. And let me tell you that in the case of Ricardo Horta, I totally understand. Um, basically, he's a young player. He's playing for a club like Braga, which is playing for trophies in Portugal. And if he continues with his current trajectory, you know, he's going to have an opportunity to go to a big club in uh, Europe. Um, but he decided against it, even though when he signed with Braga, you know, they had an agreement that if a big offer came along that he would move. But he decided not to go to Major League Soccer. Now, I'm not sure his brother also played in Major League Soccer for about a year. It wasn't necessarily the most successful uh, transfer uh, move for Andre Horta. Um, maybe that played into it in terms of maybe if his brother didn't do well, maybe he was concerned that it wouldn't work out for him and all the expectations with the club like MLS spending something like 15 million euros on him. But uh, the bottom line is, is uh, you know, he decided against it. And I agree with him. Young player, he's probably in a better position to get to where he wants in the future if he stays in uh, Portugal. And don't forget, one of the biggest differences between um, you know, Orta here in Paulo Fonseca is, you know, Orta's really got five years to really make his mark and to make good money. And then age will catch up to him. And then it might be harder and harder to make these type of moves. But, um, you know, that's the reason why he decided against it. But now Paulo Fonseca, I have to tell you, I was a bit surprised that he didn't go after that opportunity. And um, I say that because unlike Orta, who basically has, you know, a limited time to make a lot of money and play big time football, you know, when you're a manager, you can manage it till your seventies. And, you know, Paulo Fonseca has obviously already been a manager for a number of years. He could probably manage until he's 70. He's what, in his early forties. Uh, Atlanta United, first of all, has money. They get over 50,000 fans at their matches. I mean, that's more than Porto and Sporting, and that's very close to Benfica. Look it up if you don't believe me before the uh, pandemic hit. Um, they are a very, very big, big club. I mean, very big club. Um, and they also have resources. The owner of the team is, I believe, the gentleman that helped start the uh, chain called uh, Staples, the big super center. Um, he obviously also owns the Atlanta Falcons. So this is somebody with a lot of money in deep pockets. Not to mention the fact that Atlanta, Atlanta United played in one of the best stadiums in North America, in Mercedes-Benz, which is a beautiful stadium. And uh, there was a lot. There's, there was a lot for Paulo Fonseca, 
who I think could have done to Atlanta United with that, what JJ did with the Flamingo down in Brazil in South America, where you could have come in, you could have managed this team, gotten some really good players, and possibly put this team in the position next year to play in the CONCACAF Champions League and become the first major league soccer team to win the CONCACAF Champions League that is generally dominated by Mexican teams. So what I'm saying is, is in the case of Paulo Fonseca, I realized that he just managed Roma. I realized that there'll be other opportunities in Europe's calling for him soon. I mean, he almost went to Spurs, but something broke down and uh, that didn't happen. And, you know, he's bound to find another job, you know, at some point later this year. But I think to me, this, if you're going to go for an opportunity in North America, this or maybe a Toronto, because those are deep pocketed teams, great fan bases. And I think here you could have been uh, very successful. And interestingly, by the way, earlier this year, Paulo Souza was being linked with the Toronto job. There were discussions and he decided against it. And he's doing okay now. He's managing Poland. He was at Euro 2020, so he's all fine. But I just think to me, there are certain clubs in Major League Soccer where you could be a great manager and you could have unprecedented success and set yourself up very, uh, very, very well. And I think that uh, this could have been a great opportunity for a Balu Fonseca at Atlanta uh, United. And by the way, we, I'm sure a lot of Toronto FC fans wish Paulo Souza was at Toronto because I know it didn't work out with uh, Chris Armis. Uh, nice guy, but it didn't work out. Um, it would have been interesting to see if Paulo Souza did uh, take uh, that job. Other things I want to mention here on uh, episode 79, uh, Bernardo Silva has been in the news. Uh, Pep Guardiola confirmed today that uh, Bernardo's looking to make a move. Of course, this is not really a surprise. He's been mentioned in some of the English uh, newspapers, so we'll see where he's going. He's been mentioned with Atletico Madrid and a few other clubs. Uh, I won't get into where I think he's going to go. We'll figure out soon enough again, like what I was talking about with the Portuguese clubs, you know, there's only a few weeks left. We're already in the final month, but Bernardo Silva's looking to move on. Renato Sanchez has also been in the news. Um, I'll say it again. I know he had a great Euro, but he's done so well at Lille. Uh, he's comfortable. You wonder if maybe one more year of maturity at Lille will put him in a better position to go to a big move. He's uh, been linked with, I think, Barcelona. I think I've heard Juventus. Uh, there's been all these clubs. Uh, I think I even heard Arsenal. Um, I just think for me, the kitchen is to stay one more year with Lille and continue to build up his uh, strength, continue to build up his confidence because, you know, after Euro 2016, you know, he went to all those expectations with Bayern and then he had a few years where he was lost. I think um, if you're Renato Sanchez, uh, you will be playing at a big club again, but it's probably not a bad idea, at least for this year, to uh, stay where you are. So he's been in the news. Uh, another thing I wanted to comment on before I end this episode, and yes, it is a short one. Um, Bruno Fernandez on social media after Sporting won the Super Cup beating uh, Braga, uh, basically came out and uh, on social media and basically took a, a shot at the Portuguese press because if you recall last year, there was a lot of discussion about the fact that, you know, the Sporting's young players didn't have to play in front of fans, didn't have to play a Porto or Benfica in the cauldron of the Dragon of the Luge, you know, the, that theory fan presence when you're the visiting team you know they didn't have to deal with that and uh some people uh, you know like david novo a few weeks ago don't think it makes a difference other people do believe it makes a difference i'm in the middle i think it does make a little bit of a difference but bruno fernandez came out on social media and said yeah 
know, they won this title and uh, they did it with fans in the stands. But uh, Bruno, I love you. I think you're a great player, but you know something, my man? Uh, 3,000 people in the stands is not 50,000 people in the Stadio de Luge or even 45,000 people in the Dragon. But uh, again, that's why it's exciting to be here because we're going to see all these questions answered. And obviously, I think the, uh, you know, again, when I talk about my Liga preview, that's going to be one of the things I'm going to take into consideration. Sporting this year has European competition. They're going to be playing midweek top level football, especially depending on which one of the European giants they're going to get. And I think that's all the stuff that has to be uh, you know, taken into account. So we'll see if sporting has been tested. But you know what? So far, if you're a sporting fan, two wins, one trophy, one of your best players has already scored two goals. One of your best strikers that you need, you know, numbers from this year has scored also tonight. And I think if you're a sporting fan, you're very happy. And again, if you're a Benfica fan, you're very happy regarding Wednesday's result in Spartak. And if you're Porto right now, you're more excited. Looking forward to playing Bilinic's Sad. Bilinic's Sad, by the way, played uh, Roma. They lost three to one, but it's always good to see Portuguese clubs really test themselves as much as possible instead of competition, you know, trying to play good at competition that also comes to uh, Portugal to uh, train. Folks, I'm going to wrap up episode 79. As always, you can listen to this episode or really any episodes in my past interviews uh, with, of course, uh, you can listen to this on iTunes, uh, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker. I also put up the audio on uh, YouTube, which has been doing very, very well. Thanks for all the uh, recent uh, views. Uh, got a big surge last week and uh, as well as a surge in uh, followers. So thank you very much. And I always recommend to everybody to subscribe to the podcast so that uh, you can get it sooner than when eventually I put it out on uh, social uh, media. But uh, here we are, early August. I ordered my uh, guia, the Portuguese preseason yearbook. The Liga is here, um, you know, we're going to have football. We're going to have football. And by the way, we're going to have mostly football on weekends and European football during the middle of the week. Whereas this past year, we tended to have a lot of football every day of the week. And um, I have to say, I'm looking forward to going back to traditional weekend Liga, midweek European uh, competition. This wraps up episode number 79 of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. Any questions, comments, criticisms, please hit me up at my Gmail, PCSoccerCOM. Or, of course, DM me, uh, direct messaging with, uh, you know, of course, uh, Twitter or Facebook. And don't forget our partner Instagram account, uh, account uh, Portuguese underscore soccer underscore noticias. Uh, thanks. Uh, you know, so give us a follow there as well. Folks, this, I'll wrap up episode 79. As I always say, please stay safe. And I'll talk to you next time. Ciao, everybody. <laughs>